0: This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to Socially Supportive, where you'll hear the hottest insights and discover cutting-edge technology as we take you behind the scenes with the latest authors, top executives, and industry thought leaders. This is Customer Care the Social Way with your host, Frankie Soche. Episode 165 of the Socially Supportive podcast is brought to you by... Bluehost. The best web hosting for just $3.95 a month, Bluehost is the number one recommended web hosting service by WordPress.org. Every account features one-click WordPress installation. Plus, Bluehost's trained in-house experts are there to help 24-7. Their robust help center includes guides, video tutorials, and more. You can try them and love them or get a refund within 30 days of signing up. Your satisfaction is their top priority and they're confident you'll be pleased with their services. So head on over to sociallysupportive.com and click the Bluehost picture today for more information. Hello, social pack. Welcome to this week's topic, which is community. I am bringing you the best episodes of that we have had around community and why it should be an integral part of your digital and social customer care strategy. Community has a huge return on investment, both monetarily and relationship wise with your customers. From a monetary perspective, the return on investment cannot be beat because you have your customers and your fans doing the work that would normally be done by your employees. Rather than controlling the entire interaction, your employees can just be reviewing and marking answers as authorized or verified by your company. And also customers get to discuss topics with other customers around your goods and services that you provide. This creates a feeling of, you guessed it, community, and it creates a positive brand image with your products and services and positive memories around your brand name. So, this week is all about bringing back to you the best episodes that we've had on community. And the reason I want to bring them back to you is twofold. Number one, because more and more companies could really benefit from having community as part of their program. And the other reason is because when I created the socially supportive podcast, I did so because I wanted to make sure that leaders of digital and social customer care, large companies around the globe, had right at their fingertips, answers to information that they were seeking. You know, there's a lot of information available about customer experience, about social media marketing, about customer care in an old-fashioned call center setting, but there has really historically not been a whole repository of information around how to develop and deliver digital and social customer care for your organization. And you're busy, and I'm busy, and I don't want you to have to dig through 160 episodes to get back to something that might be of high interest to you right now. And community should be of high interest to you right now. So I am bringing to you this week episodes about community that you need to know to run your digital and social customer care program. So let's check them out. Today's inspiration comes to us from Bill Joy, co-founder of Microsystems, who said, no matter who you are, most of the smartest people work for someone else. And our book of the day, Crowdsourcing, Why the Power of the Crowd is Driving the Future of Business by Jeff Howe. So let's talk about this crowdsourcing for better ROI. What is crowdsourcing, you might be asking. Okay, according to Frankie, crowdsourcing is using the resources of the crowd to power your business, whatever your business might be. So if you are providing ideas, providing services, providing products that have different creative attached to them, you can leverage the power of the crowd, which is infinitely greater than the power of one or the few people that you can employ at your company. And by few, that could be tens, hundreds, thousands, the crowd is just going to be bigger. If you've got a product or service that's very popular that people can get passionate about, it is possible for you to harness the power of the crowd to do a lion's share of work for your company at a reduced cost, or it could be for free. What? Yes. And that's why we're talking about it. So how did crowdsourcing start? To give you an idea of what we're talking about with crowdsourcing, I'm going to talk to you about Linux, the operating system. If you're techie at all, you'll know that Linux was an open source software that was developed by regular developers off the street who were donating their time in order to make Linux better. They wanted a better product or service. And to quote Jeff Howe from the crowdsourcing book, He says that the Linux operating system proved that a community of like-minded peers was capable of creating a better product than a behemoth like Microsoft. So this is an example of crowdsourcing. Another example of crowdsourcing is Wikipedia. According to Wikipedia's own definition of what Wikipedia is, wow, we're getting really meta here. It states, Wikipedia is a free online encyclopedia created and edited by volunteers around the world and hosted by the Wikimedia Foundation. You may be familiar with the fact that on the Wikipedia website, there's no monetary compensation for adding an entry into the Wikipedia. It's something that you do and then there's some sort of gamification tied to that. We'll get into gamification in a later episode. But for right now, just know that what we're talking about at first is that it started as an unpaid model, with Linux and Wikipedia being unpaid. Other examples of companies who have successfully been using crowdsourcing that you may not have even thought about as crowdsourcing before, that include paid models, are Uber. Uber doesn't own vehicles, Uber just has the power of a community of people who are paid maybe less right than a taxi cab driver would be paid in cases, and uses the leverage of the size of the people who want to drive for Uber to make that model work and make it better and stronger than it could have been if they were trying to hire all of these employees internally to provide the service. So this is an example of paid crowdsourcing. Another example of paid crowdsourcing is Airbnb. Airbnb doesn't own the properties where you're having people stay as you would in a hotel They are leveraging the power of the crowd that owns individual properties and want to get together and rent out their properties. Airbnb can be much cheaper than trying to stay at a comparable place that is being given to you by some hotel chain or something like that. Another example is 99 designs. If you are familiar with trying to get graphics designed It can be costly to have it done in a huge package or have it done one-on-one. 99 Designs offers services at a much reduced rate that are sourced out by the crowd. 99 Designs doesn't employ the people that provide services over 99 Designs. They just provide a space where this can happen. See where this is going? Another example is Threadless. If you're familiar or not, Threadless is a t-shirt company. And their start, as it's explained in the crowdsourcing book, they got their start by holding competitions for the best designs that were created by their crowd. And the crowd itself would vote on what the best designs would be. And when they had enough votes, whoever won would actually get their design printed on a shirt. This was helpful because the folks that were designing these t-shirts were not paid monetarily they were given and I may be misquoting this I hope I'm quoting it right but they were given a free t-shirt and they got their design voted up and then printed as the shirt that was decided upon to be the winner so they got bragging rights they got a t-shirt some of this stuff I don't know if it still works this way but when this book was written in 2008 it did This is why the power of the crowd is huge and it's still huge today. Even though it's 10 years since Jeff Howe wrote this book, there is still so much power in the crowd now. So you say, maybe, hey, Frankie, that's really great. I'm not trying to create Linux or Wikipedia, and I don't have a business model like Uber and Airbnb where I want to pay a bunch of different people who are not my employees to do things. I have a traditional product or service where I have employees, how is crowdsourcing relevant to me? Well, let me tell you how it's relevant. Here's what it can do. You can get free labor hours volunteered by the crowd to help you answer your customers questions. What? Yes, I'll tell you about it in a minute. Also, you'll get learnings back from this crowd on your product and service. If you before had to go out and do focus groups and find out what this particular focus group thought about this particular feature or product or service, there's nothing like the power of the crowd that will tell you from people who would actually be purchasing your product and service, your actual target purchasers, to tell you what you should or should not be doing. And you can also build a sense of community around your brand, because you're providing a space where your customers can talk to other customers. And when you have a sense of community around your brand, it also creates brand stickiness, because it develops an emotion around your brand, you're personifying your brand image, and you're doing it off the backs of the people who are in that community driving that crowd. So you might be saying to me, Frankie, you had me at free labor. So how does that part work? What are we supposed to do there? Okay, this is around community forums. If you are a traditional brand and you're not trying to crowdsource design ideas or different things like this, you can use your community forum or you may call it a support community either way and you can derive free labor from this community forum. If you don't currently have a community forum, You might not know how this works, so let me explain one way that you can do this. If you have a community forum, then what you'll do is have one or more employees who moderate the community as needed. This moderation includes when a customer asks a question in your community forum that no other person who's not an employee of your company could respond to. So they're asking a question about their particular Usage of your product or service, or something like that. That's something that only an employee can answer. Your moderators will step in and handle those inquiries like any other social media or digital customer care inquiry and handle that. So you don't experience any savings there. But we'll talk more about moderators in a second. Then what happens is you allow your customers access to your community forums. And allow them to post questions related to your products and services. You'll have house rules that you post. I'll get into house rules that can be posted in a later episode. But you'll have house rules that you'll post that will say what the forums are and what the forums are not. One thing that I used to say is this is a place, because it was a technical support forum, This is a place where customers can discuss technical topics around our products and services with other customers. So you draw lines around what is appropriate for your community forums and what are not appropriate for your community forums, and then allow customers or consumers, if you want it to be, you know, a public forum to view, certainly view the questions that are in there and then decide whether consumers at large or only customers can have logins to your community forums where they can post questions and respond to questions. And then what happens is something like this. If somebody, I like to use the overweight bag example, I don't know why. As a matter of fact, I had an overweight bag coming back from New York City and going to New York City because I had all of the equipment that was going to be there for the booth. And I thought, you know what, this is what I get for talking so much about overweight bags. Because now all of a sudden, here I am with this overweight bag. I talked it into existence. Of course, I was flying Delta and I'm a SkyMiles member. And so because of the class I was flying in, I didn't have to pay the overweight bag fee. So that was awesome. Thank you, Delta. Anyway, so maybe you have an overweight bag. And this is something that is public knowledge. You can Google it and find the answer on the website. Well, maybe the customer doesn't want to do that. Maybe the customer who's about to get on your flight and has this overweight bag Maybe you have an app that has your community forums in it, and maybe they just go to the forums where they're really familiar with the people and there's good camaraderie, and they say, what do I do about this overweight bag charge? Now, this is a customer who's posted a question to your community forums. Now, in a community forum, you allow time, your moderators allow time for a question to be answered by other community members. You don't answer immediately if it's something that the community at large could answer. So in this particular case, the moderator would see this come through and then allow it the appropriate amount of time, maybe it's 12 hours, maybe it's four hours, if you're in the travel industry, maybe you want it to be less, but you select a time that's appropriate to your company that you want to wait for the moderator to step in and answer a question. Then, hopefully, another community member will reach back out and provide the answer to this question. When the other community member responds, you have a couple of choices. If the response is incorrect, then your moderator can come in and provide corrected information and take care of that. But if the answer is correct, your moderator can simply go in and mark that response as what we would call a verified answer. You can retitle it, whatever is appropriate for your brand voice. But essentially, what we're doing is we're alerting the community to the fact that a moderator has gone in and said, yes, this information is accurate, and we certify that it's accurate here from our brand. This gives confidence to the community that the answer is correct. And here's what you've done by doing this. You've, one, decreased the labor used to solve that one customer issue, Because all your moderator had to do was read the question and then mark it as verified to say, yes, this is correct. That takes less time than the moderator having to work the entire post on its own if it came through some other channel, right? The other thing that you've done is you've created a public searchable piece of content that can deflect future contacts to your contact center. If you want to hear more about deflection, you can listen to episode 63, Measuring Deflection with Surveys. That will help you understand how you can know whether you've truly deflected something by surveying. There's also a way that we will talk about pretty soon. It's going to be a couple of weeks. We're a little delayed on it. But there's a person that's going to come on and talk to us about how you can use verified answers to confirm some of your deflection. Directly without having to rely on surveys for this. And what this does, as we've talked about in previous episodes, is if you're able to show that you have lower costs inside of your digital channels than you do in your call center, then what you can say is you've saved some portion of money. So if calls into your call center are uh, we'll say $7. That's on average, if it's B to C, right, B to B is obviously 14 or more dollars, depending on what it is you have going on and where your labor is. But if we estimate that it's $7 per call or $8 per call, something like that, and then you can show that even your social media posts, depending again, on how you have it set up, if you can show that your social media posts are only $2 per interaction, Now think about in your support community, if you had much less handle time that was taken by one of your agents, if you can definitively say that, then you should also by extension be able to say that instead of saving $5 per interaction that you've actually saved even more than that. And You can get to the point where you're deflecting all the way because people are self-serving just by using your content. And then you can survey them on the back end to say, did you find the content that we provided you with successful? And if so, were you going to contact us if you didn't find your solution in this space? And that's more of what we talked about on episode 63, measuring deflection with surveys. So you can see what we're getting into here is that if you have a product where people are excited to talk about it, and I can tell you coming from the cable television industry that people are very excited even to talk about their knowledge about cable boxes or about internet, it really, I found doesn't matter what the subject matter is. If someone has a deep knowledge about something, whether it's baking cakes or doing customer care over social media and digital channels or cable box, whatever it is people have a lot of depth of knowledge about, they're happy to share it for a few reasons. One reason, and we'll get more into that in a later episode, but one reason is because they feel good helping other people. And another reason is it feels good to be recognized by peers or industry thought leaders to show that you have some amount of knowledge about a subject. That recognition is important. And that comes into gamification as well. We'll talk about that more later. So there you have it. This doesn't even skim the surface of the crowdsourcing book so I definitely recommend and you can have a link to where you can purchase the crowdsourcing book right here in the show notes where it's sociallysupportive.com/episode65 or you can also hit sociallysupportive.com/resources and that book there's a link right there where you can go grab it if you'd like to. It's a fantastic book. It's not out of date. It's very spot on even today in terms of the benefits and the history of crowdsourcing. Today's episode was brought to you by craftbeerclub.com. Good people drink good beer. Get the finest craft beers from America's best microbreweries delivered right to your door. They search out exceptional craft beers from around the country and then deliver the monthly beer club selections direct to you or your gift recipient's door. You can choose an ongoing beer club membership or craft beer club gifts to ship monthly, every other month, or even quarterly. This is a fantastic gift for the craft beer enthusiast in your life. Give 1 to 12 shipments and receive up to 3 bonus gifts and an additional $25 bonus with your order. So, head on over to sociallysupportive.com and click the picture for craftbeerclub.com today to learn more. Alright, there you have it fantastic information about community and why it is a strategic part of your digital and social customer care program. If you don't have it, you should check into it because almost all verticals and companies can benefit from a community like this. Make sure you tune in next time. Until then, and even after then, I am Frankie Soche. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll catch you tomorrow. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Socially Supportive. Want more? Head on over to sociallysupportive.com to join the social pack and find the best tips, tricks, and technology to take your team from okay to outstanding in no time.